Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today I thought we'd talk about my time at the crisis line. I volunteered at a local crisis line here in the Seattle area, and I did it for about two and a half years. It was pretty amazing. I learned about it from a fellow undergrad at the time who uh, presented it as a good opportunity for both experience and, I can't lie, one of the enticing things about it is that it would look good on a graduate school application. So without knowing anything about it, I signed up. It's important to know that all crisis lines are a little bit different. For example, two of them nearest to me are very different. One of them has supervisors with volunteers as the full staff with a lot of training. And another one has people that are hired on that have clinical degrees. So <clears throat> there are a lot of different opportunities uh, for different crisis lines. It's important that if you want to get involved in your local crisis line that you go and ask them what kind of structure they have. So the crisis line that I went to had extensive and intensive training. I believe it was about 55 hours of training before we ever even looked at a phone. Included was reflective listening, feeling validation, and how to make someone feel heard. We also had some training on the computer system to assist with finding local resources. So this crisis line that I was attached to was also attached to the 211 system, which helps people navigate through finding housing and that kind of thing. That was staffed during the day, and I was there from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Saturday nights. So we did not have access to transfer them over there. We could get them some limited information for the night, and then they could call in the morning or call Monday morning and talk to someone from 211 but we did get trained on how to look up and use the local resource information on the computer. So yeah, let me just rephrase that or restate that. I was there from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Saturday night. That was a pretty active time. There was not very many of us. Surprisingly, it was enough. When you call in, you may be asked for your city or your zip code. They are just trying to make sure that they are getting enough funding for that city or area that they're serving. So please, if you're willing, give that information so that they can continue funding the area that you're calling into. The National Suicide Hotline also takes the phone number that you're calling from and routes it to your local crisis line. So. The National Suicide Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. I will say that at the, at the end of the episode as well because it's an important number to have. Uh, you can also text at 741741. Those texting centers are also going up throughout the United States. The crisis line that I was volunteering at was just starting their text line when I was there. This was several years ago now, so it's pretty up and running and, and thorough. But it was really an experience I'll never forget. It was, it was amazing. I wish that more people would do it. 
You do not have to have a clinical background. It has nothing to do with going to school for psychology or counseling or anything like that. There were plenty of people that were going there during their schooling, but there were also people that were just there because they wanted to help their community. And that was something that they could do that they found meaningful. And they helped. There were people there that had been there for a decade or more. And they came every week and they did their four-hour shift. And they were amazing. It was wonderful to be around those people. That crisis line is manned 24 hours a day. You can call for really any reason. Uh, Saturday nights, we got a variety of calls. Some of them were people with suicidal ideation. Some of them were chronically mentally ill patients that uh, this was their safety net for in-between counseling sessions. And this is what they would do. They would be having a crisis at night. They would call us. We would shore up the, the plan for the night and make sure that they were stable. And then they would go see their counselor on, on Monday. So crisis line can be used for a lot of different things. And I have found that I've used those skills both in my personal and professional life. I'm so thankful that I went through that training because it's really amazing. I even had an instance where in my personal life, shortly after I got the training, I had to use that. One of the scariest things that I went through during the training was they sit you in a circle uh, with all the students that are learning and you have your eyes closed and the trainers go around the outside of the circle and they say certain phrases that you may hear as you're on the phones. It's important to <clears throat> get an idea of what that's going to be like because you don't want to be taken, surprise, taken by surprise in the middle of a call. So one of the things that I heard that I found to be the scariest thing during the training was... I just took a bottle of pills. I don't want you to call anyone. I just want you to be on the phone with me while I die. And that was so helpless feeling, you know. Well, it turns out I basically had something like that happen to me maybe five months later in my personal life. And <clears throat> it wasn't those exact words, but it might as well have been. And it was scary. And, you know, luckily that person did go and get help and they survived and they're thriving now but it was really scary and I'm just it just seems so fortuitous that I happened to go to that training just before that happened so that I'd feel more confident to know what to do and how to help that person <clears throat> the challenges uh, are varied you know this isn't easy this is not an easy volunteer position uh, the chronic mental illness Sometimes, you know, when you're getting the same call from the same person week in and week out, you have to really practice on remembering what they're going through. This is something that they have to live with 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it can be a little frustrating when you have someone that has completely ideological opposite views of you calling in and they're really not saying anything other than how upset they are at the black race, for example, and saying disparaging things or, or calling and telling you that they believe that the FBI has hearing devices in their walls. And this is the same story that you get over and over. Like I said, I was there for two and a half years and I got to know some of the local residents quite well. And you really have to be able to be compassionate and have compassionate listening because otherwise 
you won't be able to make it in this training. You really have to set aside anything that's going on in your personal life and support one another while you're going through that. It's one of the reasons I really love the crisis line that I was at because the supervisor uh, would be in the room with you and could really help you during and after the call to make sure that you were okay as a volunteer. We also helped each other um, in between calls if it was a slower night and there wasn't so many calls we were able to talk through, you know, hey, that was a really hard call. Are you okay? So it was really supportive and I'm just so thankful I had that experience. Uh, another challenge is that you may never know what happens at the end of the call. I had people that had suicidal ideation and I really hoped that I helped them, but sometimes that stuff doesn't get on the news and you may never know. I had another call that came in from across the country and they had terminal cancer and they were in a snowstorm and they were waiting for their medication to come back uh, from their caregiver and they were all alone. And so my whole purpose there was just to be emotionally supportive to them while they were waiting for this caregiver, the only person I had in their life, to come back um, through the snow. And sometimes the phone went quiet. And at the very end of the phone call, it got quiet. And I didn't know if maybe that person had passed away. I didn't know if they fell asleep. I didn't know if... They had taken some medication before and it just started working. You know what? You have to be able to be okay with not knowing and the ambiguity of it all. Uh, a reminder, just uh, as I've already discussed, the crisis line is not just for suicide. It's actually, I would say, 80 to 90% not suicidal calls. There are other kind of calls. They're just emotional crisis calls that they just don't know what to do or... In our case, on the Saturday night shift, people would be calling to find out what shelters were open, especially in the cold weather. And let me tell you, when someone calls at 11 o'clock at night, the cold weather shelters or any shelters are almost always full at that point. And it's really, really hard to tell someone that's telling you they're in a wheelchair and they're in the middle of downtown that there's nothing you can do for them. And you have to ask them, what did they do the night before? And is there any kind of other alternate means that they can use? Because the shelters are full at that point. So that's just one more challenge. So it's not all suicide calls. It may feel like that sometimes when you hear about it on the news. But it's definitely not the case. Although you will get them from time to time. And it really is an absolutely wonderful way to serve your community. If you've been looking for a, some volunteering opportunity, I would highly recommend this. Uh, there's no greater pleasure in helping another human being. And when you really feel like you've made a good connection and at the end of the call, they're just so thankful that there was someone there to listen and that they could reach out to and that they knew that there would be someone there no matter what time of day or night they called. Um, that's really the greatest gift that you can ask for. So this is a great example of what embodies social work values and social work perspectives when you're talking about the dignity and worth of a human being, the value of an individual, and how they are important. I heard an amazing story one time when I was attending an AA meeting that someone was talking about a $20 bill. Someone took a $20 bill 
and blew their nose in it and crumpled it up and threw it on the ground and it got kicked around and it got dirty and people would pass by the $20 bill and they wouldn't pick it up because it was just gross and dirty and then someone finally stopped and picked up that $20 bill and cleaned it off because that $20 bill still had value. And I think sometimes that's how society views people with mental illness or people that are experiencing homelessness or addiction is that they're tossed aside as if they don't have value and they absolutely do. Every single person is valuable regardless of what struggles they're going through. And this crisis line is just one more way to just really validate the worth and dignity of a person. Just a quick little podcast episode to talk about Crisis Line and amazing volunteer opportunities in your community. Of course, there are other ways to help your community, like Habitat for Humanity, volunteering at the food bank, volunteering at the local animal shelter. Really, any kind of passion that you have, there's some organization out there that needs volunteers. So if you're just sitting on the couch, you're sitting at home, you've got some spare time, why not help? It can only help your mental health and maybe you won't have to use a crisis line. But if you do need to use a crisis line, I just want to remind you again that the crisis line number, you can always look that up as your local number. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. And the National text chat line is 741741. Remember that there's never any shame in using a crisis line if you need it. That's exactly what it's there for. It's to help anyone out with any kind of problems that they're having just to get through to the next day. And sometimes you just need somebody to talk to and that's okay. I want to just thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for the continued support. Remember that we're still working on the grief series. So if you have any questions or comments about that, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC. You can email at SomedayDeadPC at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook at slash SomedayWillAllBeDead. And of course, the website, which is still under construction, is SomedayWillAllBeDeadPodcast.com. I hope that all of you are in a good space in your life and that you're not in need of a crisis line. But if you are, they're there, they're available, and please reach out because someday we'll all be dead and we don't need that to come any sooner than it has to.